Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Getting through the week. I hope you are focusing your time as much as you can on uh, self-care, joy and pleasure, and tons and tons of rest. I found it very sweet. I also found it very meaningful. This is... um out of the Gottman Institute. And uh, this was written by an individual named uh, Salvador. And I wanted to kind of expand upon some of the ideas that he put out there. Um, basically, and again, as always, these topics might have an entry point of something specific. This is about things you need to think about uh, before entering a relationship, but more importantly, in the first year of a relationship. But this is something that I think at any point you can stop and sit down and try to kind of factor in. Remember, uh, we, have, we have nowhere, nowhere at all, are we taught healthy relational skills, visions, perspectives, structures? Nowhere. So what happens? We go to school. We're taught math, science, history. That's about it. And it's kind of left on your parents. And why would they know? Their parents didn't know any better, right? So it's like the intergenerational transmission of really bad relational skills and perspectives, right? But every now and then, parents show up and do better. But again, that's not to parent blame. I people supposed to pull these things from. Not everyone has access to couples or marital therapy, right? And I wish they did because that's the only place you're really going to learn these things. <clears throat> tons of great books out there, tons of absolutely horrible books out there. And uh, they're getting more and more dated. A lot of them are just written for cis hetero people. And um, <clears throat> not that that matters, but it does matter. And what I really mean is it's written in heteronormativity, which doesn't even help hetero defined people or even anyone outside of that. They're very uh, sexist, often too traditional right? And not really up to date or current. Uh, very, very sex negative, very body negative. Uh, clearly the divorce rate, the cheating rate, we need to update these things. And there's a lot of really good research that's kind of emerging and also some that's been there historically. Um, and, and I love this whole idea. God, I have to go back and find, oh my gosh, a post I made years ago and it really beautifully walked through this concept and I like how eloquent it was framed. It was a quote and then I kind of piggybacked on top of that. Um, but basically it was talking about the work one should do when they're thinking about entering relationship, right? Because we just kind of fall in, jump in, lean in, but we're not always like prepared. We don't always look at the relational readiness, right? Like think about that. Um, high school prepares you for college, college exams prepare you in some way, right? Uh, sports teams, we practice, we condition ourselves in the gym also as part of practice. We go to trade schools, we learn skills. But again, relationships were just kind of like, yeah, you'll figure it out, wing it. But yet it, it's, it's a mental health issue, right? Because when we're brought into someone's life in any role, any role at all, colleague, friend, parent, loved one, sex partner, we impact each other's mental health. Totally, right? So there's some things we wanna be thinking about on the front end, but especially as we enter relationship. So this is just some really basic things that I think actually have profound impact. Um, and again, at any point in our relationship, we can try to reorient it. We can try to change the dynamic or what we've been centering, right? We can change that structure. If we're a healthy couple, there's a lot of malleability and plasticity. But as you know, again, one person in the system can create change, but it does far better when both people have the same ideal, the same vision, the same plan. So uh, first off, I love this. When you're entering that first date or in the first phase of dating, focus on experiences. Um, it's really hard for a lot of individuals to be a part of a date where it's just sitting there talking about yourselves, drinks, dinner, coffee. And, and, and it's an important thing because a lot of people just want to see what's it like to be with this person. So the a very initial first date, 
I understand we all are busy. I understand we all been on a lot of bad dates. I understand we don't have all the time and the energy in the world, right? So there was a TED talk I saw. Unfortunately, I don't remember the speaker. I'm really bad with names. She was talking about the one hour date, one hour first date. And I appreciated the perspective. Uh, one hour, minimal time commitment, minimal financial commitment, depending on what you do. And it's really about doing face-to-face, -face, seeing what it feels like. And I liked her theory because her theory was, the first date should be something very light, easy, and carefree because you're meeting for the first time. And this is definitely born out of online dating, but that's the number one pay way people are now dating. So we're going to have to get familiar with that being the assumption. Um, if you've met them in person, this doesn't necessarily mean as much because you've met them in person, but this one hour date is the ability to actually see what it feels like to sit with them because seeing them, watching them, and hearing them matters. Um, I always tell people before you go on a first date, please get on the phone and at least have a phone call, if not a FaceTime. That might let you know that there's no need to go on a date, and I'll get to why that is and what this one-hour date provides that that FaceTime or phone call can provide as well. Um, but know how important it is for attraction and chemistry and compatibility. You can't look at a one-dimensional photo. Um, you need to see them move. You need to see their posture. You need to hear their voice. You need to even smell them. But more importantly, your body will be picking up on a sense of interest and you'll feel like pulled in or your body will be pushing you back or maybe not even feeling safe. And so we, we, we want to see someone as soon as possible, as soon as possible, get them on the phone and FaceTime as soon as possible, go on that first one hour date. We're going to take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll keep talking about this because I think that there's actually a lot of interesting things that we can, uh, kind of pull out of it. So stick around and join us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back and uh we're talking about some things to think about uh on your first first date but also the first phase of dating and we're kind of inching up to uh the main thesis of this segment but just again backloading and catching up on the last segment talking about i saw this ted tech uh ted <laughs> tedx or ted talk i don't it was probably tedx at this point um and they were talking about the uh first the one hour first date and i'm combining that with the idea that yes we need to see someone in real time to really know how much interest we can have compatibility and all that 
Um, okay, so the whole point of this person's talk was saying, you know, that one hour is minimal investment financially and time-wise, and it really helps you decide whether or not you want to actually have dinner with them. And, and that's why I also propose getting on the phone with them or FaceTiming, because that should always be the first step. Or like, or like we said, one hour for coffee, a, a meetup, a walk. And the reason is you have to determine what would it be like to sit with this person at a table? Do I want to go to dinner with them? And I think that's a really powerful relational question because most of the time our relationships are centered in um, just sitting together, being together, intimacy, conversation, experience. And so it's, it's not about chemistry is important. If this person's going to be a romantic or sexual partner, chemistry is absolutely important. Sex, so sexual compatibility. So I want that explored. But I like the entry point of this first date. Again, phone, FaceTime, or having a drink or coffee or a walk, being about, do I actually want to go to dinner with them? Do I actually want to date? It's almost like this first meetup is a meetup to decide if you want to date. And I think that that's very reasonable. <clears throat> it makes sense that an employer wants to interview someone before they try them out on the job site, right? So it's like the meetup or the phone call or FaceTime is kind of like an interview to decide if we should bring them in on site, go on a, go on a dinner date. I've been thankful for that. My first dates when I was single was always things like coffee because I couldn't commit to sitting with someone at a table for a meal or a larger experiential full day date for hours if I didn't enjoy them or feel comfortable with them. And I didn't feel the need to do that. I knew that within, well within the first hour or getting on a phone call or FaceTime, I could decide if I'd want to spend a few hours with them. Was, was conversation interesting? Did we have a lot to talk about? Was I attracted to them? Did I want to learn more about them? I'm okay with that because remember, dates are about finding out if we want a relationship with them. And this is like a precursor for that, right? So I think there's something really meaningful and valuable about that. Now, once you've gotten that out of the way, and, and this is where I get frustrated, where I saw some memes where people, I, I, it was some, some girl saying something like, you know, if the first date's coffee or a drink, then I don't want them. Like, I want a nice meal. I want to be taken out. And it's like, this person doesn't even know you. They've never spent time with you. Why should they put that much time, effort, and more importantly, money into courting you when they don't even know if they like you? Let them meet you first. What's, why, why do you need so much front-loaded commitment to spending time and money on you if they don't know you? You're not entitled to that, and you're not worth that. This person has, their needs are worthwhile as well. And if you want that lady, plan it. You take the guy out. I think she was hetero. This is very heterocentric. Why don't you take him out then to a nice dinner if that's what you want? Create the kind of date you want. But why is it on his lap? Because of his genitals? Because he's assigned male? Because he participates in masculinity? So it's up to him? Baby doll, it's 2021. We're not living like that anymore. It's about equality. Feminism helps us understand that we're no longer doing vertical power structures. We're not making decisions about who people are based on their gender expression or presentation. Everyone has a right to autonomy and self-assertion. Those are the fundamental principles of feminism. Equality based on gender. We don't make assumptions based on gender. We don't put rigid expectations on someone based on gender. Feminism, you know, fourth wave of feminism, sex positive, body positive, very technologically driven. Um, more empowered, again, more of a um, horizontal power structure. Everyone has the same amount of same power, no assumptions, right? We need to step into that. So I want people to say, hey, nice talking with you online. Would you be open to meet up? Let's just plan an hour. Let's go on a, let's, let's go for a walk. Let's grab some coffee. Let's grab a drink. Keep it like, keep it easy. Or hey, let's get on FaceTime for a while. And then from that, you decide if you want to go on a full date. And that's where this article that I was kind of teasing last segment comes in where it says on that first date this is where the work really starts and so i want us to get to that point but we shouldn't start at this point now when we get to this point we realize like oh i spent some time with them i'm interested in sitting down having dinner getting to know them more make it experiential because again sitting there in a closed environment at a restaurant a bar whatever it is just talking about ourselves can spike anxiety for people that are more introverted but it also keeps us a little anxious. So they talk about doing activities. Can you go out into the world and do something where there's a buffer, there's a distraction? More importantly, where there's a shared experience that you both can process and witness together, right? <clears throat> You're gonna have fun with them. It's gonna be way more fun. And you, you get to not just hear the person's self-report, which is what we really have to rely on if we go to dinner or drinks. We, we, can, we can watch how they interact in the world in a minimal way, but we're really only getting to see and hear what they self-report. Where if we go off and do something together, like go to a, a museum or, um, go, I don't know, go down on the beach, go shopping, what, whatever experiential things you can come up with, we get to see them interacting in a lot of different contexts with a lot of different people. And we can better understand who this person is, what their values are for compatible. 
And it's also just more fun. So the prompt question that they gave for this first point I loved is, dun, 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 how can you add adventure to your next date? And again, that's on everyone. I don't care what your gender is. This isn't on guys or the more masculine or male-identified person to plan the date, pay for the date, decide. We, this is 2021. Everyone's equal. If someone's planning a date with you, feel free to participate. If you think it's a little too boring, feel free to add some adventure. All right, we got to take a little break. We'll be back. We'll keep talking about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about ways to move into the first phase of dating and relationship. And for those that have been together for a while or married, yes, this applies to you. Because remember, relationships aren't a goal to achieve. <clears throat> relationships aren't a position that we've landed in and now the work is done. It's an open, active, ongoing system. And it's a verb, we relationship. It's not something we have, like, oh, I got it, we're good now. No, it's a system you stay in. You should still be attracting your partner, flirting with your partner, romancing your partner. Otherwise, you are not romantic partners. You are just roommates now. And that's great if that's what you want. For, for, but for people who want their sex partner to be a sex partner and their romance partner to be a romance partner and they want a truly romantic relationship, you keep that cycle going. Um, so this is actually applicable to everyone. When's the last time you as a married couple or longer term couple have done anything adventurous? When's the last time you guys have gone on a date? We're still attracting them. We're still uh, getting their attention. We're still flirting. That's romanticism. And that's on every gender. I don't like this isn't just on the women. This is also on the men and in male and male relationships. You both got to do that female and female. This is a system we're all needing to keep being participants in. Uh, we were talking about the fact that early dates are great when they're experiential, but so are later dates, right? Um, it can get it can be a little bit less fun if we're just kind of sitting and, and discussing. But for some people, that's awesome. Uh, the second point I thought that was really great born out of this article I was looking at is we tend to think that relationships are about control and making sure we keep ourselves feeling safe. And we never consider what impact am I having on the other by being brought into their life. And relationships, and this is the word that was used, and I liked this based on the way they were using it. So I wanna kind of like clarify it because it can be misunderstood. It was, the word used was allowing. Now when two adults are in a relationship, we shouldn't use words like getting permission, I'm not allowed to, I am allowed to. You get to do whatever you want. Being in a relationship is about us looking and, 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 and examining ourselves. What kind of partner am I being, we say? And we let the other person live their life and how they treat us in the relationship tells us everything and we make decisions based on that. If they treat us in the relationship poorly, we call that out, we set boundaries or we exit. But we don't put rules on people because that isn't true safety or trust when they're doing it under duress or because of a rule. That's not real and they will rebel against that. So don't have rules and expectations. Just be together and allow and allow it to be what it is and evolve where it goes and you make your decisions based on what you're witnessing, right? But we're not trying to control. And so you have to be open. You have to be open to being disrupted. You have to be open to being disappointed because you're allowing the natural ebbs and flows to happen. You're coming from different worlds. Not everyone sees things the same way. You might be with a partner who plans things alone without you with their friends over the weekend because they're used to having a very full dynamic life where for you, being in a relationship means you're always a participant in everything. Neither one of you are right or wrong. And you have to allow that person to live in the world in the way they do. You can make requests like, hey, I'd love to spend more time with you. Or, hey, I'd love to sometimes be included to meet your friends. But then they get to do the opposite. They have to say, that's great. And I also need you to allow me to sometimes go off with my friends without you and to just be a friend and to not have to be part of a relationship that day or that hour at that event, right? So we have to let go, right? We all have different needs. So the question or the prompt for that for us to ask ourselves is, what can you allow your partner to experience and bring <clears throat> new things back into your relationship? How can you let go and let them go out into the world, feel fulfilled and come back and enrich you in your relationship based on what they experience? I love that. Also focus on what works in the relationship, right? Like the best relationships that make it aren't necessarily because things are perfect. And when we get frustrated, we try to make demands and try to control the other person's behavior when again, often the solution is more about letting go. Um, so we have to find softer, more loving ways to communicate and ask for what we need. And also it's important to understand what they do that is helpful. And the prompt is what can you sincerely catch your partner doing well during your next argument to lighten the mood? Because we don't wanna make someone all bad or all good, right? Everyone's a little bit of everything. So how can we fold in something positive or something of gratitude when we're also struggling or frustrated? Because it's all about softening. It's all about keeping the friendship there. Um, and I think this final point's really a great place to end this as well. 
Um, approaching a relationship with that old school, yes, and, right? Because we're going to have different needs, right? We're going to have different opinions on things. And we want to be always, we want to always try to participate in what's meaningful to our partners. We'll say, okay, yes, like I'll give that to you. That makes sense to me. And, and that end is just holding space for maybe you needing something too. The whole part of that is much like in improv, because that's where this example is coming from, this metaphor, is you want to go with the flow. You don't always want to be in opposition or resistance. People have different needs. And so it's about saying, I guess it's about saying, is there, is there a compromise? Is there a way I can say yes and make you feel empowered and participate while also getting my needs met versus always leading with hard no's and always going with what's going to be best for me? Because we really show care and commitment when we put ourselves out for the needs of others. We most show love, care, and commitment and trust and safety when we prioritize our partner or other's happiness, sometimes over our own. That's how that's demonstrated. That's, that's like the beautiful way that we pull that out. So let's find ways to be willing and open to doing that. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you've got a DM first, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, any questions you got, drop them in there. And if there's any topics you want me to cover or something you want me to explain more or drop deeper into, feel free to put that in the DMs also on the Loveline IG page and give us a follow back. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and it is time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. DM says, Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, I know the pandemic's winding down, but since it began, I've had a lot of spikes in my anxiety anytime I've needed to go out in public and it is still happening. Now that more places are open, masks are not needed, people are out and about, I find it incredibly hard to relax when I'm out of the house, but then also when I'm back at home. Seems like if I do one thing out of the house, grocery shopping, I'm exhausted for the rest of the day and very emotionally on edge. Do you have any tips to help me manage my anxiety when easing back into society? Thanks for everything you do. Been a big fan for years. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Um, first off, I just want to um, empathize with where you're at because you're basically telling my story. I'm that same way. I'm just not ready. I've already, I've always uh, been a little bit of an uh, introverted extrovert, right? Where I perform extroversion really well. People think I'm very loud, outgoing, and gregarious, but um, I'm actually pretty internal and introverted and quiet, very thoughtful about who I spend time with and the spaces I spend time in. I value a lot of reflection. I have a lot of generalized anxiety, <laughs> uh, a lot of social phobia, and I've also started to develop um, some agoraphobia, which is anxiety for me about kind of leaving the house, entering public spaces, abilities to take care of myself in those ways. Um, and so I appreciate where, what you're going through. You know, the pandemic has amplified a lot of that for us. Why? Well, because there is a real threat out in the world. A lot of like generalized anxiety and social phobia is often rooted in, you know, um, ca catastrophic thinking, right? Cognitive distortions, uh, not feeling grounded in our bodies, not feeling like we can set boundaries or safe in the world. And the pandemic really let us know the world isn't safe, right? And then we watch things like uh, gay and trans people being murdered around the world and beat up in our own country. Uh, you know, people that are black or of color getting brutalized or finding the bodies of the indigenous individuals buried at the schools that they were abused and traumatized in. I mean, what a world we're living in. And it's become more apparent, more vibrant, more robust. So I get where you're going. I understand. First off, it's going to be about going slow because we don't want to overwhelm or traumatize. I don't agree that you should jump in and learn how to swim. No, that can traumatize actually and remind us that this isn't something we can manage. So what you basically want to do is write a list of all the things you have to do and give them a number with how much power and fear they provide and start slow. Do the twos, conquer those, then try doing the threes, then try doing the things that are level four. And it takes as long as it takes. Your mental health matters. And if things aren't getting done and they're taking longer, that's okay. My place is not as clean as it normally is. My fridge is not as stocked as it normally is because I'm moving slow. In general, I'm trying to slow down. I also found out that I have some heart issues and some high blood pressure issues. My doctor is mandating I need less stress and I need to move slower. So I'm saying no to things. I'm taking my time getting back to people. I'm turning down some work projects because I care about my physical and mental health. 
So I'm moving slow. I'm turning down a lot of social invitations, telling people the truth. Hey, thanks for inviting me to your party. I'm just not ready to re-enter the dating world or I'm not ready to be in public spaces like that. This week I am gonna try to venture out and go to someone's birthday party, but I'm gonna bring a mask. I'm gonna allow myself to leave if I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to come in and out of social. If I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'll go spend time with myself somewhere, drinking a glass of water. I don't drink alcohol. So be where you're at, right? Move slow. Delegate, let other people take on some of these responsibilities and slowly start to see that the world is safer than you think, right? The more in control you are and the slower you move, the better you'll feel and the better it'll be for you. So be kind with yourself, move slow, don't push yourself, don't shame yourself. It's gonna take time. A lot of people are bouncing right back. I've seen people out there that are like at concerts, pool parties, I'm like, wow. But that's a different person for me and you. And we don't need to be like them. In fact, I don't want to be like them. I want to move at my pace because my pace is just as important and just as correct. And my pace is a lot different. And that's okay. Be where you are, you know? So take your time and don't rush. You know, I think we all need to do that. That's a lesson. That's a perspective we can apply to a lot of things in the world. So there that is. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line and G page. And uh, yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about monogamy and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then, of course, we'll be gliding back into those DMs and past episodes of Love Line over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. There they all are. Bin, share, post, re-listen. Yep. Good stuff. But like I said, when we come back, we got more for you. And then we'll glide into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around, we'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back. And um, just a little bit of a reminder for those that aren't familiar, we, it's Pride Month. Actually, uh, it's Pride Time. Different uh, cities celebrate Pride, different weekends throughout the summer. So I thought... Um, kind of break down this really interesting story I was looking at. Uh, this is out of BuzzFeed. And it was looking at a study saying that 85% of gay people, I mean, check this out, 2021. And again, we have to really look at uh, systems to better understand this, but 85% of gay people are afraid to hold hands. 85% still don't feel safe. And uh, as we're going to kind of break down, 85% feel, uh, are pretty correct in not feeling safe. And that's something that uh, heterosexual passing or heterosexual individuals don't necessarily, well, not not necessarily, don't at all have to consider or think about. It's really fascinating. Um, heterocentric uh, and heteropassing individuals, the world's built around heterocentricity, right? The world is basically accommodating and open to that. Uh, people of any kind of sexual minority often look for uh, gay neighborhoods and gay bars as places to feel really safe. Um, I lived in New York City in Philadelphia. And gosh, well over 15 years ago when I lived in those cities, they were pretty gay friendly. But coming out to California and living in LA, I remember being shocked, shocked by going to supermarkets in West Hollywood, which is a very gay-centered area, and seeing men and women holding hands, gay couples. You do, I did not see that commonly in New York or Philadelphia. Um, so West Hollywood is a really powerful place where there's a little more comfort and acceptance, but that's not true for around the world. Again, there are places where it's literally illegal and you can be imprisoned or killed for being gay or even being suspected of being gay, trans as well. So that battle doesn't end, but 85% of gay people are not feeling comfortable holding hands. It makes sense. Um, Want to understand why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. So um, hate crime. Man was spit at and stabbed. Uh, man spit at and then stabbed a gay couple holding hands on Capitol Hill. It's in D.C. Uh, holding hands in broad daylight. I mean, holding hands was the number one fear. Number two is holding hands in broad daylight. Well, let's see. Here's a tweet from someone who said that they and their partner were assaulted, shoved, and spat on for holding hands um, at 6th and Amp. I don't know what city that is, and Market in broad daylight. Okay. Uh, holding hands after a night out. Here's another check-in. Uh, last night, me and my boyfriend, these are different tweets of people expressing why they have fear of holding hands. Uh, <clears throat> last night, me and my boyfriend were walking home from a club holding hands. A white male comes running up yelling, I can't say it, but uh, was calling them the F word, and stabs them in the neck and then stabbed the boyfriend. Happily though, we're still alive. Here's an article I'm looking at out of the UK. Holding hands at a park, not even safe to do that. Gay couple holding hands were beaten in London. It's being called a hate crime. Holding hands while at a bar. This one also comes out of London. A London man is jailed for smashing gay man's face with a pint glass 
for holding his boyfriend's hand while in a pub. Again, imagine having to check around for safety or not feeling safe holding the person you love's hand because you might be beaten, murdered, or stabbed. Now, let's read another one. This is a headline. This is a headline from a newspaper. A gay man was pepper sprayed for holding hands with another man in the subway. How about just holding hands while walking and laughing? Well, here's a story and a GoFundMe for a gay couple that was brutally attacked while holding hands last year in Texas. Not bad enough. Here's another one. Holding hands while at Pride, a Pride event. They were holding hands after the gay Pride. Four men attacked them. That was out of Tampa. How about holding hands after seeing a movie? Dangerous as well. Gay couple was holding hands and attacked after leaving a Manhattan movie theater. Holding hands on the way home from a friend's party. Not safe either. Gay couple attacked by teens with bolt cutters for holding hands. They shouted as we walked away. Holding hands at a soccer game. Here's a good one. Gay fans warned about holding hands while at the Russia World Cup that it would be dangerous. Equality campaign produces a cautionary guide for LGBT fans saying gay people have a place in Russia, but they need to be careful and it's often underground and dangerous. I mean, this is the kinds of things that gay people deal with every single day and just wanting to hold hands. Oh, here's more. Can't even hold hands while you're away with your loved one at a resort on vacation. Still not safe. A gay couple was shot in Mexico for holding hands in a suspected homophobic hate crime. Oh, there's more. Can't hold hands in your own neighborhood. Yep. Uh, this was on the news. Gay couple attacked just blocks from their home. They were stabbed because they were holding hands and a stranger while doing so yelled homophobic slurs. I mean, the list goes on. Jamaica tourism chief claims LGBTQIA tourists are welcome despite a gay ban. So in Jamaica, there's a gay ban, but they're like, yeah, come spend your money here. Gay couples there are arrested for holding hands. I mean, it goes on and on. It's so heartbreaking. There's so much work to do. It's pride month. Let's all do what we need to do, whether we're in the community or outside of the community. I mean, this is heartbreaking. Like I said, imagine not being able to just pick up the hand of someone you love because you have to actually check for safety or say to yourself, am I in the mood to have to verbally defend myself or physically if someone decides to spit on me, stab me, shoot me, hit me in the head with a pint, a pint glass. I mean, that's heartbreaking. So we got to hold everyone around us accountable, the jokes, the slurs. You know what I mean? We have to normalize. That's why I'm thankful, thankful for all the inclusivity we're seeing. Um, all right, y'all, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back, and later we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. Stick around. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and uh, we're talking about monogamy, some things to think about, some things to consider, because uh, we all want to find the right, uh, right relational style for us. Most of us are raised with monogamy. We know the most about it, right? Uh, not everyone talks about all the other options. We've talked about them on the show. Television, those around us, right? One option only for most of us. So a lot of us just kind of like slide right in there. But remember, you got to ask for what you want. Not you know, One way is not right for everyone. And the health of the people in the relationship determine the health of the structure often, most of the time, right? Sometimes it's not about changing the structure as much as it's about the health of the people within it. Um, but there's a couple of things you want to think about. First thing is we, we want to start getting more self-reflective. I tell this to clients in my practice all the time. It's not enough to just say, because, right? Um, why do you want to know that? Because, why do you like that? Because I just do. No, we're going deeper. We're being more self-reflective. So whatever relational style you've chosen, ask yourself, why? What part of myself asked for that? What might be the benefits? What might be the downsides? It's important to critically analyze everything, you know, but especially important things like that. Even your sexuality. Um, we've talked about that. We'll talk about it again. But um, we want to really ask ourselves, like, why do we participate in the world in the ways we do? Who told us, right? What other options are there? Why have we avoided them? Why have we chosen what we've chosen? When I lecture and I travel, I always say to the therapists that are in my classes being trained, I say to them, you know, when someone comes in that says they're in an open style or poly style, we often have a lot of questions about why they chose that. But we often don't ask people that are married or monogamous, what made you choose that? What do you think the downsides are to that? What do you think the upsides are? What aspects of yourself do you think weren't healthy that might have been asking for that? What, 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 what might you be avoiding in that choice? We don't want to assume, right? So know yourself. Be self-reflective. All styles have benefits and deficits, right? It's important to have some self-understanding as to why you're wanting what you're wanting. Just about bringing consciousness to it. That's how we have like a mental health perspective, right? Because some people do choose mon uh, monogamy out of anxiety, thinking that if I do that, I will sidestep things like jealousy. But remember that the structure, the rules, or the restrictions themselves don't promise love, safety, or happiness. 
it's the health and the commitment of the people themselves, right? So that kind of goes back to the whole idea of don't date people you can't trust because it really doesn't matter what they commit to or what the quote unquote rules are. It's, it's about the person. It's about the people. And I think we make a lot of assumptions like we're good because of all these rules and a lot of people from their anxiety just try to set a zillion rules and try to police people and follow up and go through their phone and they want their passwords. And it's like, all that is, is you're running your relationship from a place of anxiety and you're not learning to trust, right? Um, Cause again, this is within the context of people that are worthy of us working on and, and offering that trust. And if not, get out, you know? Um, but otherwise we wanna stick around and ask those questions and explore that. Because as I said, restrictions, rules, and, and all that don't promise love, safety, or trust or happiness, it's the people, how they feel, what's important to them, you know, are they honest about everything? Like that, that's really what matters. So zero in on that, but do ask yourself. Also, don't assume, right? A lot of people over the course of time or time spent together make assumptions that we're in a monogamous relationship and it's like, you, you can't. Um, so unless it's been requested or you have committed, don't assume that. Don't assume because of the length of time or the level of depth you have that your partner might not be seeing others still or wanting something open or whatever it is. It does come up in my office when someone later finds out when they finally do bring up monogamy that the other person hadn't been, but why would they have been? And just because you're deciding to not date others or to log off or delete your account online doesn't mean they are, right? People are where they are. And so don't assume things unless it's been discussed and delay that conversation as long as possible. Because remember, dating is about multiplicity. Dating is about seeing multiple people, spending time with them, taking time to decide if any, any of them are people you might want an actual relationship with, right? But dating isn't the relationship, it's working towards. So check in on that, ask for what you need. Transparency is awesome, but don't assume. Far too many people use the length of time, like right, the level of chemistry compatibility, the the depth of intimacy, or whatever it is, to assume. But a conversation is mandatory. That commitment is mandatory because that's what monogamy is. It's a commitment, right? Mind reading, assumptions, all that's going to lead to people feeling disappointed, let down, hurt, bummed out. See it all the time, right? So we're not mind reading. <clears throat> we're not making those expectations. We're not assuming. We're, we're, we're working on from the door, forming adult relationships, which means transparency, discussion, exploration, right? Sometimes hanging in there if someone's not exactly where we are, because that's there too. Just because you're ready for something doesn't mean they are. Just because they're not, don't run from that. But I see people do that too. You're ready for monogamy or commitment, they're not. And you're like, oh, well then I'm out. And it's like, wow, you really don't, that's not a sign of commitment. You're actually demonstrating the opposite of commitment by bouncing at the first sign of disappointment or frustration. Like, wow, you're not maybe ready for a relationship because you might also feel compelled to say, I love you or ask to live together before they are. But that doesn't mean that they won't get there. That can't happen. You just might be moving at a different speed. Don't panic over that. It's okay for you to be in a different place than this individual. Hang in there if this person is of worth and value to you. We can't run every time we're disappointed or frustrated. That is not a good sign. We have to learn how to stick around. That's where you're not showing your level of commitment, right? If you run as soon as they're not where you're at, right? But yet you were a minute ago asking them to make a commitment that you won't make, right? See how that works? We have to be willing to do that. Also explore your relationship's expectations because just like monogamy can't be assumed, neither can whatever assumptions you have about how relationships should operate or what the definitions are or what the label will be. Discuss what monogamy means to you, right? What, what are the boundaries you're requesting in asking for monogamy? Because that's the other thing, right? We're not assuming monogamy, but we're also not assuming that everyone runs it the same way. Because if you haven't hammered out what that word means and what the expectations are, you can't get frustrated if someone disappoints you by not acting within your assumptions. Everyone has a different, everyone has a different, different definition, truly, 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 truly. And that's something people need to talk about. Even before getting married, what does that mean to you? What are the expectations? How do you spend your weekends? What do you, what are your expectations about together time versus separate time? Some people like a lot of separate time. Got to ask these questions. Uh, all right, we got to take a quick little break. When we come back, we're going to keep breaking down uh, things to consider and ask to get a more conscious adult version of monogamy. If that's what you're seeking. Uh, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by Astroglide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. A little break. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're breaking down monogamy. We're talking about what are the more adult conscious healthy ways to kind of, I guess, move into it and the expectations you should have 
And uh, we're basically saying on the front end in the last segment, excuse me, that we want you to know yourself better. So always ask yourself, what part of me is making this request? What part of me is wanting this structure or these rules or these boundaries, right? And what other options are there? Might that be better for me? Because every relational choice and structure and label has deficits and it has benefits, right? So weigh in on that, ask those questions. We just want to be conscious in our choices and our decision making. Then we don't assume that we're monogamous because of length of time or what's going on or the level of intimacy or depth. We have to ask because it's a commitment. You're essentially asking them to make that kind of commitment and to prioritize you. So we don't assume that and we don't mind read. We, we actually consciously say, is that what you're looking for? Are we monogamous? Do you want to be? And we're not panicking or running if someone doesn't want that or isn't ready for it just because we are. We have to show our own level of trust and commitment. I'm showing that you can trust me and that I'm committed to this relationship by not running when you say you're not ready for monogamy or you don't want that yet, right? You, sh- you hang in there. That's how you show them that you're an adult. And then also we don't make expectations about what that word even means. We have to talk about it. It's a negotiation. It's two separate people and all their needs matter. The person that wants a more strict version of monogamy isn't more correct or more right. And it doesn't matter what your friends all do. It doesn't matter what you think the world does. Because number one, the world all does it differently, FYI. And number two, it doesn't matter what what everyone's doing. Everyone gets to decide for themselves what is right for them. And you show that you're a good partner by negotiating that, but not by making it all about what you want. Some people might want a a, a lighter version, a looser version, monogamish. Or they might say, I can commit to that now, but we have to keep talking about it. I don't know. My needs might change. And we hang in there through that, right? But we don't make assumptions. Use that as an opportunity, this discussion, right, to further your intimacy and to learn more about yourself, to learn more about others. Everyone's definition and their needs around this are legitimate, right? And no one's definition holds more weight or value than anyone else's. There's no right way for everyone. You don't get to come charging in like that, right? And don't make those demands because, again, we're learning how to be more fluid. Uh, What about sexual compatibility? Well, that's why I tell people not to rush in too quickly into monogamy because it's often not the best choice for partners who aren't sexually compatible to, to be monogamous. And so we want to explore sexual compatibility before we ask for that because monogamy is literally literally about sex. Monogamy is literally saying don't have sex with anyone else. We should not ask that if we haven't explored sexual compatibility. And we shouldn't ask that if we aren't sexually compatible because that's something we gift someone. And you're going to be very frustrated if sexual compatibility is not there or chemistry and you're telling someone you'll be monogamous with them. You better be really content then getting some of those sexual needs met with solo sexuality and masturbation, you know? Um, So don't rush into that. Sexual compatibility means the type of sex you like, how often you like it, how much intimacy and closeness you want within it. So explore that. Don't just go running right into monogamy because you're anxious and you really like them. It can be a recipe for disaster down the road to make that jump or that commitment way too soon. So please, until you've been sexual with them uh, multiple times and you've explored that, don't even talk about monogamy because that is what we do when we have sexual compatibility and chemistry. A chosen relationship or sexual style is an ongoing dialogue. It's not a one-time commitment. So you should be checking in. How's this going? How are you feeling about it? Anything we need to tweak or change? Do, do at least yearly, if not monthly, check-ins discussing how you feel about the relationship, how you feel about sex life, any potential changes necessary. But you have to be calm, right? You have to listen with care. We're being open. We're sharing. We're not personalizing. We're not collapsing. We're not freaking out. We're not having meltdowns. We're showing up as an adult. We're listening. We're problem solving. We're on a team. We're speaking from our best with respect because how we manage this conversation tells them how we'll manage other difficult conversations. And if we can't pull this off, we're not showing them that we can pull off other difficult ones because all these kinds of conversations are the partner assessing us for our maturity and whether or not they'd want a long-term partnership with us. So show up as your best in those conversations as hard as they can be, right? And this is hard for some people to hear, but this can be rene- this can be renegotiated at any time. You know what I mean? Be flexible with what you request. And that and that's hard for some people to really sit with that a whole idea that you can renegotiate that at any time, but what works for you relationally at one point might not be what's going to work for you or be best for you down the road, right? And I know that that's hard, but change is not always a bad thing. We want to really ask for what we need. And finally, monogamy is hard and it's not for everyone. Not everyone's built for it. It's important to be honest with what works for you. And if you've struggled with monogamy in the past and you're constantly failing and hurting people and it's just not right for you, stop agreeing to it. Stop harming people, yourself, other people. Stop having to live in shame. It's okay if you don't like monogamy. It's okay if you don't do well at it. It's okay if you fail at it. 
not everyone is relationally oriented towards monogamy. We have sexual orientation, which is about the gender choices. We also have relational orientation. Some people are more about monogamy. Some people are more about poly. Some people like monogamish or open. That's okay. We don't need to have shame about that anymore. So if you've struggled, stop agreeing to it. Find people that are open to something that works better for you. Not everyone's built for monogamy, right? And that's okay. We want to be confident in what we ask for so that everyone feels taken care of, respected, and no one's harmed. You know what I mean? We're not going to keep trying to live up an ideal. We're going to find partners that are truly compatible. And that means we all want the same relational style, right? We, we go with our sexual orientation about gender. We go with our relational style. You know, we're going to be more confident as we move forward. All right, coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So stick around and join us for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we're back. And now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astro Glide. All right. Gliding into the DMs. Here we go. This one's a little long one. Uh, hey, Dr. Chris, I love your show and how much it has made me self-reflect so as to make sure all my relationships are thriving. Mad respect to you. Been dating my girlfriend for two and a half years now. We've had our ups and downs as I'm more avoidant and she's more anxious. <clears throat> we still love each other and both go to individual therapists to continue to work on ourselves. That's awesome. Well done. Also, I like that you know your attachment style, aka your relational style. It lets us know what our work is, right? Someone who's avoidant needs to stay put and lean in when they want to lean out. Someone who's anxious needs to settle themselves down, anchor themselves, right? Get some clarity. Um, <clears throat> a few months ago, you said I was working at an agency she was connected to as our funder. So we shared similar coworkers. Okay. I think I got that. I started to develop feelings for my coworker and the feelings were mutual. So I decided to quit the job because I could no longer spend time with this coworker and stay with my girlfriend. It's very mature of you to understand the difficulty. That's what we all need to do. If we start to see a boundary slipping, or we think a boundary might slip, we, we call it out to ourselves, to our partner, to the person, we set the boundary, we take care of ourselves, we take care of our relationship, right? My girlfriend confronted me, and I told her nothing had happened. Her friends, my coworkers, told her that I looked shady, aye, because so far it sounds like you're actually being very integrity-based. I still think about that coworker every day, even though we've cut off all communication. Am I just deep in fantasy, or are the feelings real? Here's a hard one. I don't, I don't know. It's both. I mean, if we haven't actually been with someone, then a lot of our understanding is going to be fantasy based, but that doesn't mean the feelings aren't real. But I guess my bigger question is, even if the feelings were real, does that matter? How about your feelings with your girlfriend? You cut this off because your girlfriend, which tells me the feelings for her are real, your girlfriend, that you really care about her. So why does it matter if you still care about this coworker? Because remember, we can care... We can care for multiple people at one time. We can have feelings for multiple people at one time. We can be in love with multiple people at one time. It's not a non-renewable, you know, it, it's, a, it's a resource that's accessible all the time, right? So what meaning are you making out of that? If I said I think the feelings are real, would that then negate or illegitimize how you feel for your girlfriend? Because those feelings for her were meaningful enough to cut it off with a coworker. So I guess I'm not, I, I'm not aware of the deeper question 
you know, because maybe the feelings are real and you'll have to learn how to move forward in the world, loving your girlfriend while also having feelings for someone else. But that's not uncommon. It's easy and it's also understandable. And even for some of us expected for us to develop crushes and feelings for other people throughout the duration of our relationship, when things are good, when things are bad, when we're closer, when we're more distant, you know, people come into our lives and there's a lot of different elements of ourselves that other people can connect to that our partner maybe can't. And it's okay to be attracted to other things in the world. That's part of human nature, but that doesn't mean there's anything we need to do about it or do with it. It's not necessarily a call to action. Sometimes it's just a recognition. Yeah, that's there, you know? So if you really do have a girlfriend and you're happy with her, then it doesn't really matter, you know? Just let it be. Acknowledge that you have a crush on someone else. That happens. If, though, you're not in love with your girlfriend, well, maybe then you do want to go take time to figure out and explore. Maybe you need to put a pause on your relationship with your girlfriend or break it off. I don't know. But if you love her, problem solved. If you don't, then maybe you do need to end it and go explore and find out. So it's more rooted in how you feel about your girlfriend, you know? Tough stuff, though, you know? Relationships go through changes. Something's important at one point down the road maybe isn't. Like I said, we drift. Sometimes we grow in opposite directions and what we had in common isn't there anymore or what connected us isn't there anymore. You know, so it's kind of more about your sense of your relationship. It's hard stuff though. You know, as humans, we're going to be oriented towards new things and other things. We want so much, we want familiarity and comfort with our partners, but then sometimes doing so can suck the energy and fun out of it to its destruction. So make sure you're giving your girlfriend all the time and energy you can to give it its best shot. Work on that. But like I said, if you realize it's not what you want, well, then it's time to bounce. You know what I mean? Good luck. Let me know how it goes. Truly circle back and let me know. Uh, all right, y'all. That is our show. Tomorrow we'll be talking about motherhood. I know. Mental health perspectives. Um, and then also uh, things we need to think about for healthy long-term relationships. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. So go on over, binge, share, post, check them out, and uh, check out my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Both a little bit different, but both kind of walk you through the journey of sex, gender, relationships, body, all sorts of good stuff, mental health tips. So check it out. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.